Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Will there be a public inquiry into foreign interference in Canadian elections? More Canadians may delete TikTok. Ontario Liberals are coming to Hamilton. Canada set to launch a UFO research study. I have some thoughts on the weekend marriage trend. And you have a chance to appear on Family Feud Canada. Find out more by listening to the GMH podcast starting now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. We've seen... Uh, over the past number of uh, days and weeks, uh, many Canadians very concerned about the issue of foreign interference into our democracies, into our election processes. We share that concern. Federal NDP and uh, all the other opposition parties wanting a national public inquiry into foreign interference in Canadian elections, but Will it happen? Kim Wright is the founder and principal of Wright Strategies and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Kim, good morning. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Is this a bigger deal than the general public realizes, or is this being overblown by the opposition parties? No, this isn't being overblown at all, Rick. It's, um, you know, the question is how much influence or how many attempts at influence uh, were we seeing within the last couple of election campaigns? Clearly, there was enough that the uh, Canadian spy agency, CSIS, uh, has written a report and gave that to someone around the prime minister uh, during the last election. We were hearing about it on the campaign trail. You know, people, you know, you've heard a lot about TikTok being banned this week, but there are lots of social media channels and communications tools uh, that not everybody knew existed and in the last campaign that we were certainly seeing conversations on unfolding. So we really want to get to the bottom of this, understand what how much uh, was being pushed onto our democracy and what was being done to push back uh, from from Canadian agencies. And I think it's important to make sure that everybody understands where things are. Opposition parties calling for a fully transparent public inquiry into this issue. Do you get the sense it's going to happen? I think that's where this is going to ultimately end up. What we've seen over the last couple of days and certainly over the last week has been movement in that way. One of the things, and why is this different than just going to committee like we're going to see later today, uh, committees can be filibustered. It can be super partisan. It can be, uh, there's lots of documents that don't necessarily get seen. But what we have seen also has been under the Emergencies Act, a public inquiry around that, being able to compel testimony, see more documents, parliamentarians can compel much much more information and make a better uh, sense of what actually happened and figure out how to make sure this doesn't happen again. So it's really just a, a convert, uh, it, it shifts the conversation and the gravitas to it to really get to the heart of it without the, uh, you know, public politicians filibustering and, you know, being politicians about it all. Uh, National security officials had warned the Trudeau government that there was really an extensive network of influence, or or at least an attempt to influence Canadian elections, targeting both the Liberals and the Conservatives. It wasn't just one party. Will this, at the end of the day, do you think, change the way we vote? I don't know that it will change the way we vote, but I think it is important that we understand what are those pressure points that are that are coming at us. 
who are the various foreign actors that are coming at our, our democracy and what are the safeguards we need to ensure that it's there. Not dissimilar, uh, you know, we have had the conversation about the Chinese spy balloon and when did we know it? How do we get rid of them? How do, how do we take those things down? Uh, what are the, what are the access points? All of those things. Those are good questions to ask from a national security standpoint. Similarly, on our elections, we want to make sure that we understand how these pressure points are being applied, where they're coming from, and how do we take them out when we when we when we know about them. We only got about a minute. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about the Ontario Liberal annual general meeting that's coming up this weekend in Hamilton. Starts tomorrow night. We're going to talk to one of the potential new leaders of the Liberals, Nate Erskine Smith, in our eight o'clock hour. Bonnie Crombie's name has been mentioned. What's your sense of what might come out of this AGM? Uh, I think you're going to see more divisions than ever coming out of this AGM. This is a part of the Ontario Liberal Party, which, you know, reigned Ontario for quite some time, is in a complete state of disarray. They don't know who they are, how they want to vote. There's certainly questions about some of the candidates if they've ever been to Kaposkasing, let alone outside of the GTHA. There is, this is a big province with big issues, and I'm not certain that the Liberals know what they're going to do. I mean, we don't have to look much farther than their ill-fated draft Mike Schreiner campaign, uh, which became almost a cocktail party joke at some point. So they, they're really going to have to come out of this in a much better place, and I don't see it happening. It's a great hot take. Kim, thanks for your time today. Thanks so much for having me. That is Kim Wright, founder and principal Wright Strategies, giving us her thoughts uh, not only on the alleged foreign interference of Canadian elections, but uh, what the Liberals might indeed try to do, at least start to try to do, this coming weekend in Hamilton as their AGM is going to be here in the city. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. My kids don't have a phone, and my daughter's the only 11-year-old in her class that doesn't have one. Also, you have a lot of eyes. She has a lot of eyes on her, too. So she has a little watch. She can text me if she needs to get picked up a little later or sooner. And she has all the emergency stuff. But I told her, point blank, if you can produce literature for me from a reputable source that tells me that social media is good for you, then you can be on it. Welcome back to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. That is pop singer Pink talking about her daughter Willow not being allowed to have a phone, let alone TikTok. And that is leading us into this conversation about this social media app that's been banned, as you already know, from being used on federal government-issued devices. And so there's a lot of Canadians talking to themselves, talking to their kids, thinking, should we delete this ultra-popular social media app as well. Carmi Levy is a technology expert and a journalist and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Carmi, good morning. How are you? Good to be here, Rick. I'm well. Thanks for having me. So we know the federal government has said, all right, if you have TikTok on your government-issued device, you got to get rid of it. Some provinces are doing the same. Many Canadians are asking themselves, should we do it too? What would your answer be? Well, I mean, you know, the last thing we want to do is kind of knee-jerk our way out of this. You know, obviously, TikTok is a much more aggressive harvester of data compared to other social media apps. They all do this, right? You install the app, and of course, it, it gives a little pop-up telling you what it wants access to on your device. Most of us never bother reading it because we're too busy to you know, install the app. We're just excited. We want to get it done. We don't pay attention to things like this. But compared to Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and others, uh, TikTok 
asks for a lot more. So it's collecting a lot more. Uh, our location information, our contact information, uh, where we've visited online, what other apps we have installed, uh, things like that. And then it's sharing it not with an American company on an American server. It's sharing it with a Chinese-owned company. A company called ByteDance owns the TikTok app. So, uh, we, And we know that all Chinese companies have a deal with the government of China that if the government asks for that data, they must comply. It's That's the law, national law. And so, you know, there are huge security concerns over this app. And we've been talking about these for years. It's coming to a head now that country after country is moving ahead with it. The problem here is, is this isn't just any app. This is TikTok. This is an app where two-thirds of North American kids are using it, a billion around the world. So, uh, you know, this is a social phenomenon. This is the digital town square for so many kids. You don't just pull the plug, uh, but you certainly do start to maybe use this as an opportunity to have a conversation with your kids about the security risks, not only of this particular app, but all apps. And that it's probably a good idea to look at your phone every once in a while and go, hmm, what apps am I, am I using? What apps am I not using? Maybe I should get rid of the ones that I'm not. Maybe I should start pulling back on the security accesses that I'm granting to the ones that I do use. For, let's just say there's a, a teenager out there who has the app, or even younger, there's a lot younger people who have TikTok and they're, and they're sharing videos, they're watching videos. What is the danger for them? What data are they sending out that could potentially be dangerous? Well, think of all the things that we do on our phones, and we literally run our digital lives off of our phones. They're usually not further than arm's reach from us from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to sleep. So, you know, we are, we're messaging uh, an entire network of people across multiple platforms. We're doing financial transactions. We're traveling. Um, we are, you know, like, like we're, we're going to school. We're going to work. So all of our personal, educational, employment information flows through that device. And imagine all of that information now potentially in the hands of a foreign government. It doesn't mean that someone in Beijing is going to, you know, deliberately look after your kid or target your kid and try to hack them. What it does mean, though, is that China, a major state sponsor of cyber crime, of, of cyber, what I like to call cyber insecurity, now has that information both individually on your kid as well as in aggregate all of his or her friends the entire community, millions of Canadians. What they do with that, I don't know, maybe interfere in elections, maybe use it <laughs> for economic crime, maybe sell it to cyber criminals so that they can do launch identity theft attacks on them. That's the frightening thing. Once your data is out there, it's kind of anyone's guess as to what is done with it. But I can guarantee you, none of it is good. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, journalist, technology expert, Carmi Levy. We're talking about TikTok and whether or not Canadians should be deleting this app. For people who have the app and who love it and they want to keep it, can they minimize or change the data that it is sharing? That's a really good question. And the good news here, Rick, is that they absolutely can. We, we tend to think that when we install an app that it's an all or nothing or black and white thing that we have to basically say yes to everything in order to keep the lights on on the app, keep using it. That is absolutely not the case. We have the ability 
to go into our security settings uh, around each app as well as across the entire operating system and basically tell them, you know what, I don't want the app to be able to do this. I don't want it to track me. I don't want it to have access to GPS, location services, things like that. So we can go in if we want to and dial back some of those accesses that we grant the app and still continue to use it, which in the case of TikTok for a lot of people, and I've been hearing from a lot of folks over the last few days, they're like, you know, you'll take this app away from me over my dead body. <laughs> um, you know, so, you know, when they realize that, oh, I can kind of have my cake and eat it too, uh, that's, that's really a, a, a piece of good news. And so, you know, this really is the moment, I think this is the, where the, the alarm bells go off. Maybe we should all become a little bit more familiar with the way the security setting pro- settings work on our device. Let's go in and, you know, maybe tweak them a bit and then put it on your calendar every month, every couple months, every quarter, whatever it is, and just do a bit of a checkup. Go back into the settings and make sure you're still comfortable with them. Maybe uh, sometimes the apps go back in and they change them back. So just review them regularly and make sure you're comfortable with it. That can go a long way toward ensuring that you use TikTok or whatever other apps that you want to fulfill your digital daily life. But at the same time, you don't un, you don't expose yourself unnecessarily to digital risk. Great tips from Carmi Levy, technology expert and journalist, joining us here on Good Morning Hamilton. Always appreciate your time, Carmi. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much, Rick. Great being here. Awesome tips. And uh, yeah, if you have TikTok, go into those settings, check them out, make sure that you are, as Carmi said, comfortable with what you are sharing. And that that should go beyond just TikTok. I mean, that's one of many apps that we use on a daily basis. Check them out. Take some time out of your day, whether it's today, this weekend, during March break, whatever the case is, check out those those settings that you're sharing with uh, these external providers. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Coming to our community is the Ontario Liberal Party. Yeah, their annual general meeting begins tomorrow night. It's going to happen at the convention center. There is a federal politician apparently exploring a potential leadership bid, also rumored that Mississauga Mayor Bonnie Crombie might be stepping into that ring as well. Nate Erskine-Smith is a Liberal MP with Beaches, or for Beaches East York and joins us now on GMH. Nate, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Things are good. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Well, you're the federal politician I'm, I'm kind of speaking of here with this uh, eyeballing a potential leadership bid. Uh, do you have some breaking news for us this morning? <laughs> no breaking news other than it's going to be an exciting weekend with the convention in Hamilton. I'm looking forward to being there and Obviously, when we look at Queen's Park and, and the frustrating, incompetent populism, I think there's a reason for change. Ontario deserves better. And this weekend, we're looking at changing as Ontario Liberals so we can deliver the change the province needs. What's going to be the make or break decision for you and whether or not you're going to enter this race? For me, I, I'm pretty convinced that this is where I can make the biggest difference. I got involved in federal politics about 10 years ago, and the Liberal Party was in third place. We had a very frustrating conservative majority government. And the parallels all apply at the provincial level now. And the difference is I have seven years of a track record in Parliament of getting things done, working across the aisle and and doing politics, I I think, a bit differently. The the make or break moment for me is, can we build a serious team in every corner of this province? And I've traveled a lot of the province so far through northern Ontario, southwestern Ontario, eastern Ontario. There's momentum. The team is growing. But I want to make sure that we have absolutely every riding covered and that we're in a good place to make the difference. I know we can. If Nate Erskine-Smith is looking in the mirror and thinking, you know what, I'm just going to stay where I am. I'm effective as a liberal MP. We can make a difference in beaches, East York, and from coast to coast to coast. Would you look at uh, an individual like Bonnie Crombie to say, yeah, she can make a difference? 
Bonnie in the race would be would be great, just as Yasser Nakti in the race would be great, just as Ted Shue in the race is great, and Stephanie Bowman in the race is great. Fact is, when you look at other parties, they haven't had the same competition in their own leaderships. They haven't had the same interest, and a great amount of interest is incredibly important. We need to open up our party, welcome as many new people into it as possible, and really excite people. I remind people all the time that if you're frustrated with politics, the answer is participation and politics for all of its faults, and there are faults to politics, but it's one of the most important ways to make a difference in the lives of those around us. So everyone should be thinking about participating in this, and that's how we're going to grow our party, and that's how we're going to succeed. In advance of the start of the Ontario Liberal Party's annual general meeting tomorrow at the Hamilton Convention Centre, you've issued a statement this morning saying, quote, we need to change as Ontario Liberals. How do you do that? A few different ways. So first, we need to really open up our party once and for all. We need to change how we elect the next leader. So right now, it's a delegated system. We need to move away from that towards weighted one member, one vote. In very simple terms, it just means people can vote directly for the leader, encourage that grassroots engagement and participation, and all ridings are treated the same. We also need to not only focus on engagement, but also be accountable to the grassroots. The next leader should be regularly meeting with riding presidents and be engaged with the grassroots in a long-term, sustainable way. And, And lastly, we need to build a presence in every corner of the province, and that includes rural and northern Ontario. And so there's a proposal for a rural and northern commission, and I hope we, we take people up on that. There's, a, there's an opportunity for change, and the message I hope we are able to deliver is if we want a different result, we can't, we, we can't continue to do the same things. We have to do things differently. Nate, we got about a minute. I spoke with Kim Wright, founder and principal Wright Strategies, earlier this morning, and she predicts that there's going to be more disarray and dysfunction for this party until it gets pointed in the right direction. Do you get the sense that there's going to be a little more pain than gain, at least for the next little while? There's going to be a lot of excitement this weekend. There's a lot of people who are seeing the opportunity to get involved and participate and make a difference. But the party is a shell of its former self, and it's going to take a lot of hard work, the hard work that, frankly, I was there for putting in federally 10 years ago to renew the party in a really grassroots, serious way. And so building field organization, building the volunteer presence in different communities, building the fundraising apparatus, there is no time to waste. That's why I think it's really important that this race concludes before the end of the year. We need a new leader in place, whether it's me or someone else, to really get going and traveling this province and and rebuilding our party, rebuild our party and and, and rebuild our province. So I'm confident we'll set a really strong direction. We need generational renewal, serious renewal. We need to refocus our values around competence, seriousness, compassion, fairness, integrity, honesty. Those are the values that make me a liberal. And, And I think with that direction in place and the generational renewal we need, I think we'll be in a very good place to succeed. Well, it's great to hear that Hamilton was chosen for this convention. Always exciting to host uh, a big annual general meeting like this. Nate, good luck with it, and uh, best of luck with the ultimate decision you got to make. Yeah, thanks very much. My, my great-grandma was in Hamilton throughout her life, so I, I look forward to getting back there. Nice homecoming. Thanks, Nate. Nate Erskine-Smith, Liberal MP for Beaches East York. Who knows, maybe the next leader of the Ontario Liberal Party. We shall see. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. It's called the Sky Canada Project. It's going to be conducted by the Office of the Chief Science Advisor in Canada. You're probably thinking, what the heck are you talking about? Well, it's Canada's first official UFO research study in nearly 30 years. Here to talk about it is Canada's foremost UFO expert, Chris Rutkowski, who joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Chris, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm pretty good. Glad to be back. This study is going to look at uh, what they're calling unidentified aerial phenomena. 
Why do you think they're doing this now? And does the recent China spy balloon have anything to do with this? Well, I think the, uh, the spy balloon had almost everything to do with this. Uh, although there had been a considerable push from a number of individuals, several politicians had raised the issue that the Americans had already started doing things. Uh, there's a, a unidentified aerial phenomenon task force and uh, all uh, all anomaly research office that's uh, in the states now. So I think uh, there's been enough pushback, and people really wanted to know what was going on. So I think it was, uh, you know, a, a good move on the government's part to finally take a good look at this. You've been looking at this kind of stuff for years now. What what do you think they're going to uncover? Well, they're very clear in their mandate that they're not going to they're not trying to prove that the aliens are out there. What they really want to do in this, what I describe as a preliminary study, is to find out exactly how many sightings there are, uh, who's reporting them, uh, how widespread they are, what, you know, what uh, characteristics of what's being seen and which ones are balloons and which ones are not. Um, they also want to know if there are any agencies or you know, what departments are currently gathering information. Uh, oddly enough, most of this information is given in our annual Canadian UFO survey, <laughs> which is freely available. Um, so I hope they contact us, but uh, uh, they want to know exactly what is going on and, uh, you know, and then move from there. And, and what's to gain in doing this? Once they compile all this research and information, what are they going to do with it? Who is it going to benefit? Well, there, there's uh, an indication that they're going to start to uh, liaise with the uh, American government. This, you know, this is really, uh, I think, driven a lot by what's happening in the United States. Um, they want to be able to uh, uh, have something to present to the United States in terms of what's going on in Canada. So in order to do that, they have to um, you know, prepare the background for this. One uh, official who's, uh, I guess, involved or really uh, interested in the results of the Sky Canada project has said that the Americans are really far down uh, the road in this type of investigative work. Uh, How much information can we obtain from places like the Pentagon and NASA and and what they've done? Well, uh, you know, Canada is partnered with the United States in NORAD, so a lot of the information is being shared anyway. Uh, what is not known, and this is certainly not something that the Americans have, is uh, details on exactly what uh, Canadian pilots are seeing, what uh, uh, Canadian uh, military officials are seeing, what the Canadian public is seeing. Um, that's not really in any uh, official record. So they want to gather the information so that when the United States really uh, does take the lead on this, they can say, okay, this is what Canada has done. And oddly enough, Canada has been in the past ahead of the United States in this because uh, up until 1995, Canada did have a, a program with the National Search Council to uh, to study uh, and gather UFO data. Um, uh, so, you know, there had been a, a step in this already in the United States. You know, we, there really had not been anything going on in the United States officially uh, from about 1969 uh, until, well, relatively recently. So, uh, you know, Canada actually has a lot of information that the United States could use and may actually be ahead of the game in some ways. We're chatting about a UFO research study, the first of its kind here in Canada in nearly 30 years, with Chris Rutkowski, Canada's foremost UFO expert. You're listening to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. You've, you've studied this for, as you mentioned, ages. What, what information could you pass along to this study? Well, we do know exactly how many uh, reports are being filed in Canada every year. Uh, last year, for example, we just pushed it, put out our Canadian UFO survey for 2022, and there were 768 reports from all walks of life, from coast to coast, uh, from uh, south to north, 
Um, we have reports from pilots. Uh, we have reports from the average citizen. We have reports from people on boats in, in the the, uh, the Fraser River estuary in, in BC. So we do have reports. Uh, we can talk about what the, the characteristics are, which ones are, are you know, green and yellow, and uh, what time of day things are seen, and which provinces seem to have more than than others. And it turned out that last year, for the first time in many years, uh, Quebec had more UFO reports than Ontario. So come on, Ontario, pull up your socks. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, there, there's a, a lot of data that can be obtained uh, to try to better understand. We had, as a matter of fact, there was a report that was um, made available last night through Transport Canada of uh, uh, somebody at an airport uh, in Northwest Territories reported uh, a series of lights in the sky on February 17th. Now, those may turn out to simply have been Starlink satellites, but the fact is that was actually filed as an official UFO report with Transport Canada. So the fact is that we do have that information, and that would be the type of thing that the United States would certainly need. Interesting stuff. Chris, thanks for breaking it all down for us today. Well, glad to be here. That is Chris Rutkowski, Canada's foremost UFO expert, as the Sky Canada project set to launch the first UFO, first official UFO research study in Canada in about three decades. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. This is, to me, one of the most interesting stories I've come across in a long time. Because it's a real-life scenario that is happening right now in Japan, and who knows? Someone listening right now might think, well, this is a pretty good idea. And so what's happening in Japan? It's called Sotsukon, gaining freedom without divorcing. So despite being legally married, more and more couples in Japan are deciding to live separately in a new trend called weekend marriages. Kelly Fife is a Hamilton-based therapist specializing in individual couples and family therapy and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Kelly, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Rick. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So some of these couples are forming a weekend arrangement where they only couple up during the weekends and they live separate lives in, in separate homes, in some cases, during the week as a as a couples therapist, are these people in trouble or are they onto something here? I think it depends on the couple. I don't think this is actually something that's just happening in Japan, to be honest. I can remember first hearing about this concept actually when I was in uh, undergrad almost 20 years ago. Hmm. Um, but certainly when I was doing my master's in couple and family therapy, this was this was actually the situation of some of the, the professors even that, that were teaching me. So... Um, you know, some of them, I think the couples that I see, this is often coming from a place of dysfunction where we're not getting along at home. So let's, you know, let's live separately and remove some of the most common things that we usually fight about. Um, but I think there are couples who are, you know, doing this because we work in different cities that are quite far apart and it's not possible to commute. Um and I think there's probably a few of them that, you know, we just live separately long term because that's actually the way that we prefer it. One person told a survey that um, weekend marriages are, are make sense for them because living apart uh, make us appreciate and like each other a little bit more. And I kind of mm-hmm. get that. You know, there's no doubt that being apart can create a renewed sense of excitement during the weekends. But what if that excitement doesn't materialize? <laughs> I think if that excitement doesn't materialize, those are the couples who probably know that, you know, that they're really in trouble and, and maybe end up deciding not to stay together. Uh, with the couples I see, they've often chosen to do this because 
you know, they feel like they need this space to see if they can get that renewed sense of excitement. Um, I think some of them do, but I also see is when they come back together and start living together um, full time on a daily basis again, that excitement can be quickly lost because I think sometimes they haven't addressed probably the core issues that led them to to decide to live apart for a while in the first place. Uh, let's get into that. We're speaking with Kelly Fife, Hamilton-based therapist specializing in individual couples and family therapy here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Many couples, I would assume, who are doing this um, think it's 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 easy or easier. Uh, mm. It offers a more flexible relationship for anyone listening right now and thinking, hmm, maybe we should try this. What rules should be in place for them to make this work? Oh, that's a very good question. Um, you know, I think every relationship is different. So I think people do need to examine why, why are we making this decision and why do we want to try this before they can come up with, with rules, right? Some people might be doing this because, hey, we've, we've decided to try an open relationship and we want to see other people and we want to have our separate space. So, you know, is that okay? And if that is okay, what are the rules around that, right? If we're doing this and it could cause financial strain or create financial strain, how how are we divvying up the financials? How are we taking care of that to make sure that, you know, we're still on the same page and if we come back together, we're not going to get in trouble? Um, I think things that are really important is that couples maintain, you know, fairly constant communication with each other, even if they're not living together, especially if they have kids. Yeah, that communication is huge because, you know, mm-hmm. I, I see some dangers here. There's going to be, I'm sure, some thoughts mm-hmm. of what is my mate up to during the week? Are they being faithful? Yeah. that, that, yeah. that That's going to be a huge roadblock to overcome. Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I completely agree. But to be honest, I think people worry about that anyway. That's, if, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> right. If If there's a lack of communication in the relationship, if things aren't going exactly the way we want to if if my partner seems to be on his or her phone all the time or isn't really as present at home as I'd like him or her to be I think you know partners already have those worries like what is my partner up to right now right absolutely that is going on constantly I think in many relationships Kelly we'll have to leave it Uh there if uh, any of our listeners want more information on uh, Kelly and what she does go to her website kellyfife.com appreciate the time thanks for joining us yeah thank you so much Rick have a great day you too that's Kelly Fife Hamilton based therapist specializing in individual couples and family therapy and if you're thinking I'm I'm not going to move out of my house like the cost of housing is crazy well there are some couples living in the same house but doing their own stuff like cooking and cleaning just like housemates like back in college or university and uh, they also had a a recent study on this that found that women view this scenario this weekend marriage scenario more favorably than men which is not surprising because still to this day more women do more of the the housework the cooking the cleaning the chores than men i can see the the pushback from a lot of men saying no i don't want to lose that well too bad so sad you're listening to the good morning hamilton podcast from 900 chml family feud canada looking for maybe you and your family well in in essence it's looking for charismatic families diverse families energetic and big personalities here in hamilton to audition for the next season of the popular tv game show here to talk about it is danya ali supervising producer with family feud canada danya good morning welcome to the show Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Is this season five coming up? 
Can you believe it? Wow. The big season five, a big milestone year for us. Congratulations on that. So what kind of families are you looking for? Yeah. So, you know, Family Feud Canada is all about having fun and potentially winning up to $30,000. So we're just looking for, you know, authentic, genuine families who want to have fun and are interested in an unforgettable experience. Um, so yeah, we just, we're looking for, for fun families. Does it help if they're wild and wacky? I mean, it helps. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. What, you know, we get hundreds upon hundreds of applications that come through. So it's, I always appreciate, you know, those who spend a little bit of extra time creating a really fun video and doing whatever they can to stand out. Um, but you know, you don't all, you know, we don't necessarily only cast, you know, wild and wacky families. It's definitely a div- diverse array um, of people that we have on the show. How can people audition for the show? What What is the process like? Totally. So step one, visit cbc.ca slash family feud, submit an application. You'll answer some short questions, upload a family photo and a short video. Um, next, one of our team members will reach out and book a virtual audition. And what's great about that is it makes it so accessible to apply to be on the show you know, five family members don't necessarily have to live under one roof. They can actually be spread out all across Canada and different provinces. Click the link to join the audition and meet our producer. Um, and the audition is super fun. The family will introduce themselves. Um, then we'll enter a little bit of a Q&A with the producers. And then we play a little bit of a mock game. That is pretty cool. For the video itself, I would I would guess that that's really a make or break scenario for some families. If some family's just going to send in kind of a bland video, that's not really going to make the cut because at the end of the day, this is entertainment. Totally. If you're not excited about being on the show and maybe like you're speaking in a very monotone manner and you don't seem interested in being on the show, chances are your, your application's probably not going to stick out. So um, I would, you know, recommend that, you know, you just take time and just try to be creative and, you know, show enthusiasm. Um, the other thing I like to remind people with the application is that you don't necessarily have to have five family members in that video. We understand that, you know, it's busy to coordinate five different schedules. So, no, as long as one family member, it could be the team captain um, speaking on behalf of the family, you can show us pictures of your family members. That works as well. That's great. Danya Ali is a supervising producer with Family Feud Canada. Joining us here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Got another minute talking about Family Feud Canada. Uh, Looking for big personalities and charismatic families here in Hamilton to audition for the show. Is there a deadline for all this information to to be uh, supplied? The great thing is, is we just kick-started the audition season for season five. So if you apply now, you will be amongst, you know, some of the first Canadians to apply this season applications are pouring in um i would say try to apply before june we are heading into the studio in the fall and around june and july is when we start making our notifications of families who are moving on to the filming process um but i wouldn't wait till june to apply i would apply as soon as you can and uh, i know you said you get hundreds of audition uh, applications how many make the cut um so we uh, tape about a hundred, a hundred to one hundred four episodes per season. Um, so, in terms of how many families make the cut, we usually have a pool of two, one hundred fifty to two hundred families that you know are in our pool of families that could potentially make it to studio. And then how many actually get selected are about around about 120. Wow, pretty exciting, Danya. Thanks for the time. Good luck with season five of Family Feud Canada. 
Thank you so much. Appreciate it. That's Danya Ali, supervising producer of Family Feud Canada. More details online, cbc.ca slash Family Feud Canada. That'd be fun. That would be fun to do for sure. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.